Ouch. Ouch. Okay. That's the intro. This is Control Structure, episode 107, for May 4th, 2016. Hello, and big week stuff. I really need to figure something out for that. Anyways, thank you for listening to this show. If you are not, uh, if you are not on the Nexus.tv uh, looking at the show notes and would like to figure out what we're talking about, please visit the Nexus.tv slash CS107 to see the show notes. I am your host, Andrew Bailey, and with me today is the other host, Stephen Orvis. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Steve. So, uh, Chris just left, and that's good. He did just leave, so it went from snoring to nothing. Yes, and I'm not sure if the fringe would pick that up or not, like the microphone, uh, but yeah. Uh, so... Um, we just sampled a restaurant around here, or rather ate at a restaurant around here. It's a Vietnamese slash Japanese. Yeah. And like maybe a little Chinese, because I saw some General So chicken on there. I did see that. Uh, so, yay. It was good. I thought the prices was kind of high. Me too. Uh, but. But there was a lot of food. It was a lot of food that I got a rice bowl, and it was like a whole dish pan of rice, so... So, yeah, that's great. Um, and uh, meanwhile, I have continued to ride around town. Um, so, it was not last Saturday, but the Saturday before, that I rode 14 miles around downtown. So, that was quite an accomplishment. Um, let's see, I think the... Uh, Wednesday before, I was able to ride up from uh, the T-stop at the base of the hill up to my apartment, which is, like, uphill from there, obviously. I was able to do that on my bike without stopping. Uh, last Wednesday, I was able to do that again uh, as, uh, la- as, yes, this past Saturday and uh, yesterday. I was able to do that. You've been getting quite a bit of writing in. Do you uh, keep track metrics of overall mileage for time, or just uh, certain individual trips? Just do it whenever I can, and try to you know keep a running average of at least ten miles per week. Okay, that's a good goal to hit. So um, yeah, yesterday uh, I thought I was going to do I don't know maybe twelve miles, but. Uh, I was cut off by rain, so I had to, uh, you know, abort midway, well, more than halfway there, and, uh, like, turn around and go back to the station. So, like, I was riding between two T-stops downtown, and so I, you know, started the one, went around to the next one, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can go back to where we came, and so I started, and then it started raining, and I turned back around. Rain's just not fun. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I was really surprised that after it started raining that I was going uphill in sixth gear, which... As in you suddenly were more motivated than normal? Kind of. Kind of, okay. And then I pretty much resumed being tired. (laughs) And yet I still made it up the hill without stopping to to get back home. Good job. 
So, um, yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, and then 20th century. So um, you recall that I uh, had a hard drive coming. Uh, I remember something about solid-state drive and okay. a card or something. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, the solid-state drive. So it turns out that the motherboard in there, or at least the controller or something, absolutely refused to recognize the uh, the card. Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just get a hard drive, an 80-gigabyte hard drive. So I uh, ordered that. It came, put it in, and it's not being detected. So I'm like, okay, uh, is there like some way to like artificially reduce the capacity seen? So it went down to 32 gigabytes, which okay. is an 80 gig drive. And I'm like, okay, this is frustrating. So I guess my motherboard does not like hard drives bigger than like 32 gigabytes. That's interesting. So I bought a IDE controller card. With like has like actual IDE controllers yeah. on it and you know plugs and stuff. Uh, ordered one of those that came, plugged it in, plugged in everything. It works. Still no solid state drive though, but I don't care. You get your eighty gig, yeah, yeah. That's weird because I mean I remember having a Windows ninety eight machine came from the factory with sixty four megs of RAM and stuff, and I feel like we had hundred gigs or so in it maybe. So uh, uh, yeah, got all that running, and then I'm like. I think I might want to, you know, upgrade the graphics card in this. So I ordered a GeForce 2, and that came uh, yesterday, put it in, and I think I might have some driver problems, so I might have to switch that around. And uh, I found a really nice heat sink for the CPU, a uh, passive heat sink, so, like, it doesn't have a fan on it, which I determined was actually most of the noise coming from the machine so now you can instead of listening to the fan of the cpu listen to the beautiful clicks of the hard drive the almost the stealthy clicks stealthy clicks yes this one isn't a clicker a loud clicker yes it i think it was like manufactured in 2004 oh okay so that's pretty modern yeah some of those old ones, though, they were really clicked. And and 80 gigabytes by about 2004, 2005 was pretty small. So I'm, I'm wondering exactly how many platters are in there. Like, <laughs> there might be, like, a two-platter drive. That Very well could be. So, um, yeah, so get the uh, heat sink in there. And then I have, like, a rather, rather large fan that I can, like, pretty much sit on those wide IDE cables and like just like have it ventilate both the uh you know expansion cards and the CPU at the same time. There you go. So, uh yeah. Aside from that, you know, I've been trying to uh, you know, do, you know, housework like cleaning, emptying the dishwasher, stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, everything seems to be sticking together. Um mostly because it's been raining quite a bit. <laughs> but uh yeah. That's that. Uh, anything interesting with you? I got a 3D printer the other day, so I uh, just got it uh, right before I left. Let me think, that would be last night. So I put it together, leveled the bed, uh, and I bought some plastic filament to print with it uh, online prior to it. So I was like, you know, it comes with filament, but not very much. So I'll, I'll buy a spool and then I'll be able to print in my heart's content. So I put in the filament, didn't bother with the stuff that came with it, and started printing, and I'm like, just like not sticking to the bed, not sticking to the bed, and I'm like, maybe of course. leveled or something. So I leveled it again, it was a little bit high, and I fixed that. 
I look at the side of the filament and it says ABS and it's supposed to be the PLA and like because the ABS needs a higher temperature to stick onto the bed. Uh, and so the program I was printing was designed for the way the G-codes, it heated up for the PLA temperatures, plus I was preheating the bed to the PLA temperatures. So that just wasn't working. So I put in the filament that came from the factory, and I clicked print, and it stuck, and it printed. And so that was a huge uh, difference when you printed it at the temperature it's supposed to be printed at. Of course, when you say stuck, that usually means a bad thing. In this case, it's a good thing when it sticks because sticking means it's staying on the build platform. Sticking on the build platform means you don't get these hairy strands of plastic wire coming off of the build platform as your extruder just prints into thin air. So what did you print? A chair. I didn't know what it was. Uh, the world's smallest the chair. The world's smallest chair. It was uh, on the file. I knew the first one was a butterfly because I started printing it when the whole... ABS problem was happening, and I had a butterfly from the factory. Apparently, they printed it on the test board to just test it or something, and so I didn't want another butterfly, so I printed the next file on the SD card that came with it, and apparently it was a chair. So I guess my brother, there's like these thumbscrew mods for adjusting that make it easier to adjust. Um, I guess my brother started printing some of those, and he said apparently he printed two of them, so uh, I guess some of my, most of my filament must be used up by now. He said there's still some left. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens uh, whenever I get it. I ordered more of the correct filament from the Mal and eBay, and apparently that will be coming soonish. I hope. And uh, I'll be looking into getting a glass piece of glass to use on it. And uh, piece of glass the bed because oh. the glass works better for making a stick for the ABS. And uh, apparently there's something with the warping, it's straighter and doesn't warp as much. Uh, so people, a lot of people are saying the glass is better. Uh, but I think that's one of the things they say you should do if you want to print an ABS. Since I have a spool of it now, I may as well make sure my printer is ready to print it and play with it at some point in time. Uh, so yeah, I guess lots of fun 3D printing. And I can finally print my wheels for my RC Rover. Yeah. They charge me $10 a piece for four wheels. And it was going to be like 40 bucks to print these smallest pieces of plastic. So now I can print my wheels on my $300 printer. I'm saving so much money. Yes. Yes. And I bought the fil wrong filament. So that was another $30. <laughs> and another 30 to buy the right filament. So far, I'm so far ahead. Raspberry? Raspberry! 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 Do you have neighbors? Yes. Okay, I'll keep it down. <laughs> so, the Raspberry Pi Foundation now officially has a 8 megapixel camera on sale. Because uh, their 5 megapixel camera ran out. Ran out and out of manufacture. Their end of life, I believe, was 2014, 15, something like that. Uh, actually, no, yeah. 14, this is the end of life 14, so they have supplies of them, but as you said, run out is going to happen or has happened. So what's interesting to me, I didn't realize this, they said, I guess the old one had this too, they have a, a visible light camera and they have an invisible infrared light camera uh, that works on this, which I thought that was interesting, I saw there was a side 
a side link on this page uh, to is called hyper hyperspectral imaging hacks, and they're talking about using it. Uh, but but tannin, ah, cannot say that word. Uh, persons that look at green things and plants and stuff. Anyways, that they use this for. Uh, I guess you can put a filter on it and watch plants growing and see where the photosynthesis is happening. Hmm. So it seems like all kinds of interesting things. Uh, to me, I see infrared light and I'm like, oh, I can make a trail camera to watch the deer at night with. So uh, the thing about infrared ca- cameras is pretty much all cameras, like all digital cameras, are infrared cameras. They purposefully have a filter on them mm-hmm. to block out the infrared. But if you pop that off, then you could start to see weird things. Like if you put a TV remote in front of it and press a button, it'll light up, you know, like an LED. See, I had a digital camera and I did that with the remote control on purpose once, just to see. And I could see it, and I didn't have like filters or anything on it. It was like a mid-range super zoom camera, so it wasn't like a detachable lenses, but it had, you know, it was a higher end-ish in the low-end category. And it was doing that, which, I don't know, maybe it's the newer cameras, maybe they filter it out now, I don't know. Or they have better filters? Better filters, perhaps. It was interesting, I always wanted to build a, uh, some sort of Raspberry Pi remote control thing. So, uh, it looks like Dell is going to rebrand, or reorganize, or something. So, uh, CEO, I guess he's, I guess he's the CEO, Michael Dell, uh, has apparently, uh, revealed this plan to, like, his, uh, entire company. So, like, Dell apparently owns a lot of, like, lines of business. You know, there's... Uh, you know, the computer, you know, like the laptop, you know, consumer manufacturing stuff. And then there's like more business oriented stuff uh, like EMC. Uh, and they're in the process of acquiring VMware, like the whole umbrella, uh, like the whole big picture Dell is going to be called Dell Technologies. How should I say the normal consumer product division, you know, the ones that make, you know, the computers, PCs, laptops, is just going to be simply Dell. So I'm a little, it's like, I thought there was Dell, and I don't, I don't see the point of branding the overarching company as something different. And I just, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about Google. I think something weird happened recently with Google where they're branding and they have some parent company, and I forget the name of the parent company was even, and there's like all the branching companies out from it, so maybe it's just the thing that big businesses do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Dell Enterprise business will be renamed Dell EMC, I guess, because EMC might be the largest part of that. It's something that HP recently did. Uh, well, recently did, except the fact that HP actually split. So, like, there's HP, you know, for the computers and yes. laptops and stuff. And then I think it's called Hewlett Packard Enterprise for everything else. See, I understood that with HP because that kind of made sense. This this feels like splitting hairs. Basically, in their Dell, someplace says, "I like the ring of Dell Technologies." He's just like, "Yeah, we know Dell is about technology." Like, 
We knew that. You didn't have to tell us. Oh, interesting trivia fact. Andrew, do you know what the name of the parent company of Google is without looking at my screen? Alphabet. Did you look at my screen? No. Okay. Because we talked about that like a few months ago. Okay. I wasn't sure if I talked about it, uh, my, not talked, looked at it myself or if it had been a conversation. Good memory. So, and, uh, like I'm not exactly sure if they're going to be, uh, like actually organizing their sub businesses by the alphabet. So whether mm. there's like a sub company A, sub company B. <laughs> so, hey, uh, you like Ubuntu, right? I do like Ubuntu. Uh, do you like Ubuntu on servers? I have used Ubuntu on servers before and uh, done pretty well with them. Uh, to me, I really love how its packages and things just line up nicely with the desktop. So what I'm used to works. Just maybe you don't have a UI, but not a big deal. So apparently a lot of other people think so too. Uh, as it is apparently the number one Linux distribution for servers. And ironically on the charts there, it shows Debian as being pretty high up there too. Yeah, like so, like this is something that just happened in the past week. So you could you could you could uh, you could take this two different ways. You could say Ubuntu is really popular, or you could say Dell is not Dell. Debian, <laughs> Debian wrong D is extremely popular and blows all the ones way out. Yeah. Um, so you know, due to the fact that Ubuntu is based on Debian, uh, you know, actually. You know, they sort of feed off of each other yes. a little bit like that. So the thing that surprised me most is that, uh, like, even a measurable uh, percentage of people run Fedora on servers. Like, this is the experimental operating system that tends to have, like, a lot of things that break in it. That is not something I want running on my server. You need to be literally crazy to do that. And apparently 1.1% of people are just that crazy. Hey, there's still people using IE out there. That is true. But there's no one out there using LavaBit, sadly, because it was uh, shut down preemptively when the government demanded all the information about uh, Mr. Snowden. So I guess I'm not sure in retaliation, but... You know, now that the company shut down, there's really no harm in releasing all the source code that was running LavaBit. So this is definitely a a good thing, I'd say. It's, it's a very interesting development, and it's not that the guy just dumped the code there. I'm seeing active development on the commits of the repository, like as active as in March 31st. 2016 so that was like what a month ago more or less uh -huh. so they're coding on it and uh, doing stuff so that sounds like someone someplace some people think about using it whether it's for their personal use or maybe uh, setting up some other services the government may find out that the, suddenly instead of having one troublesome email place on the ends that there's a lot of troublesome email places encrypting email yep so, you know, people are forking it and doing whatever they want with it. Which is cool. So, uh, Backblaze, the, um, how should I say it, the hard drive uh, statistics farm, I guess you can sort of uh, derivatively say, uh, has uh, decided to uh, modify their uh, storage pods to stuff even more hard drives in it than before. So their pod 6.0, uh, 
uh, is a four unit, uh, like server rack thing. And, uh, let's see, I think they said that they have 60 drives in this. I believe that's what it said. Up from 45, uh, for the previous generations. And this is, uh, so, uh, big that it actually sticks out the back of the server rack. That must be crazy amount of weight to carry and pull out of the server rack. That's probably like a two-guy job. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, like in the discussion around this, uh, you know, that, that, you know, weight was, you know, kind of a primary concern. Like, do your raised floors, like, can they support that kind of weight? Mm. Uh, you know, especially if you have a whole rack of these things. This is true. And, uh, like, actually, like, how do you actually, you know, lift it? Apparently, there are lifts, you know, like, forklifts designed for, uh, uh, data centers, you know, specifically for, you know, rack-mounted machines. That makes sense, because that many hard drives would weigh a lot. Yeah. Um, so, like, they were, you know, along with, uh, you know, like, the bigger rack, there's, like, a little bit more infrastructure inside, like, where would the cables go? You know, where, you know, would we need to have uh, another card? Would the CPU need to be upgraded? Would, mem- would you need to have more RAM or connectivity? And it seemed like not a whole lot more on those, uh, on that front. Uh, so they increased the length of the backplane tray to support 12 uh, backplanes. So, like, that's a backplane is, like, where, like, several hard drives plug in. Okay. Because, like... Uh, like essentially, like you know, put the drive in the slot mm-hmm. in the uh, the case, and then just drop it in. Um, uh, See, so added one additional drive bracket to handle another row of fifteen drives. Uh, you added three black back planes and one more SATA card, uh, and three more SATA cables to support the back planes. Uh, changed the routing of the cables of the SATA cables to stay within the one meter length spec. Uh, updated the pigtail cable design, uh, the routing for the power cables, the on-off switch, and uh, like they also you know modified the actual uh, brackets and like the handles on the sides. What's neat about this company is their openness and what they're doing, and like they're making this an open hardware project where they give away the specs, and at the bottom there's like a cost list of you know what it would cost to build yeah. it yourself. And they're developing. It's not like they just came up with a product or buying something off the shelf. They're cutting costs the best they can. And that's what this is. This is them saying, okay, how can we get the price per gigabyte down lower and cheaper? It's kind of really interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, their actual, uh, how should I say, uh, like their uh, main line of business is not creating these. It's providing a storage yes. service. And so there's no nothing to stop someone from using their specs and building their own server farm from their specs. So, uh, like, there's actually a company uh, or two that actually takes these and builds them for people. So, like, you can build it yourself or you can buy it from this other supplier, which I think is actually different from the supplier that Backblaze is using. But I wonder, like, what the market share is. Or, or rather, like, the main consumer of these. Like, I'm guessing that Backblaze is probably still the number one customer. That would seem likely. Yeah. 
but you know, it would not surprise me if it were otherwise. Yeah. And like, is there like any kind of feedback coming from that? Hmm, interesting. So yeah, uh, food for thought there. So in a sense, by opening the design, perhaps maybe they're getting benefit. They're they're sharing it with the world. Just uh, is a different philosophy, a different mentality, and a different viewpoint of the public of people and wanting to give back a list in a sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see, I know that Facebook, Microsoft, and I think Google uh, just recently, uh, like there is a little consortium going to uh, like sort of open up the hardware design for, you know, like traditional rack mounted computers. Uh, I can't really think of the name right now, but it exists. Interesting. Um, so they're realizing that they all have all these costs and they all have these common problems. Why not work together, make something good and standardize and not have to worry about... And maybe drive down the cost. Designs. Yes. Um, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. So then uh, Backblaze also uh, asked the question about the shing- shingled magnetic recording drives, which is uh, like drives with, uh, how should I say... Like instead of you know writing data in one track with like some space in between the tracks, mm-hmm. uh, shingled magnetic recording like sort of like overlaps some of the margins between the tracks, yeah. uh, so that you can shove more data onto a drive. But the bad part is when you need to write data, you need to rewrite a lot of other data too. Okay, so it's great for storing data, but not so awesome for uh, read writes on a desktop we need one performance exactly so more of a backup situation so so uh do you know who satoshi nakamoto is well i read the article well i did not read the article i've been talking to you about it uh but it turns out that no one really knows who he is Uh, uh so satoshi nakamoto is apparently the person or the group of people who made Bitcoin. So, uh, so yeah, it's, you know, when it all started out, uh, apparently uh, Mr. Nakamoto uh, acquired somewhere in the realm of a million Bitcoins. Of course, that was probably all back when it was still very cheap uh, uh, for Bitcoins. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, as time went on, like uh, Satoshi apparently like left and like didn't really talk too much and handed off the development to someone else. And everyone's been wondering who Satoshi is. Uh, apparently an Australian guy uh, claims that he is, or he's crazy enough to claim, uh, crazy enough to make other people think that he is. And there's evidence for it, but no one really believes it. So, and this included... Uh, supposedly uh, presenting a private key that was used to sign a transaction like way back when, like one of the very first uh, uh, blocks in the blockchain. I'm not exactly sure how dangerous this is. It sounds pretty dangerous, uh, but uh, apparently like a lot of people, you know, how should I say, dispute this and say that it doesn't exactly work out. Uh, It doesn't prove anything. So, uh, yeah. See, see, the big thing I'm seeing is why would you come out and say this and 
and he's even you're reading the art, article earlier and talking uh, in the fringe. Why would uh, he do this? And and he was saying like, oh, well, I'm not really needing everyone to believe me. I'll just disappear, poof, and I'll be gone. You won't get to talk to me anymore. That's like someone who's just grumpy and wants attention, and he's saying, you know, fine, you know, play my way, or I take my toys and go home. But he's it's like he wants something. There's something he's wanting. He says, yeah. I don't want media attention, but at the same time, he's saying, if you don't talk to me, I'm going to go away, and you won't get to talk to me. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine, go away. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, several people have been accused of being Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, but, you know, it's kind of a complicated situation. Uh, I came across the Wikipedia article uh, for Satoshi, and one of the things that stood out is, uh, like, apparently going through the source code for Bitcoin and, like, the forum posts from Satoshi uh, notes some occasional British-English spelling and terminology, like the phrase bloody hard, uh, you know, in both source code and forum postings, uh, lead to speculation that Nakamoto, or at least one individual uh, behind uh, Bitcoin, uh, is of Commonwealth origin. So, you know, that would sort of fit with, you know, being an Australian. Of course, there's more Australians in the country than just that guy. <laughs> Apparently. And there's a lot of, you know, other regions in the world that are very hev- heavily populated that, you know, have uh, such, how should I say, vocabulary and mannerisms, I guess. So, uh, James Clapper, the director of national intelligence is not a friend of encryption. Uh, And uh, he pretty much blames uh, Mr. Edward Snowden for accelerating the uh, commercial application of uh, encryption by about seven years. Or at least, like, four. Since, uh, you know, it's 2013 that uh, Snowden came out, and he says just now that it's seven years ahead, you know, of, like, when it was back then. It's kind of a weird timeline that he's uh, presenting. Anyways, he seems like he's uh, pretty upset about it, and he, he's not liking it, it at all. Uh, so, uh, apparently he doesn't uh, believe in any kind of encryption that cannot be broken. Yeah, the, the funniest thing, though, about this article is he was whining about it and encryption and everything. Then at the end... The article is a quote from him. He says, In the history of mankind, since we've been doing uh, signals intelligence, there's really no such thing given proper time and proper application of technology. And he was talking about uh, encryption that would be unbreakable. So he's pretty much saying, like, we haven't hit something yet we can't break eventually, given enough time and working on it hard. And Which is true, but we'll probably all be dead before it is broken. Possibly. Or just more time, but yes. Which is kind of the point. You know, like, you know, granted, you know, I can tell you to, you know, put this much money into my bank account, but then if the encryption is broken like 20 years in the future, when neither bank account exists, it's not exactly that useful. Yes. And I think it's more of a timeline thing. So if they've, I was thinking about this earlier, so if the technology has evolved faster than they anticipated. It's not that they didn't anticipate it evolving this way, but it's faster in the same token. They've probably had deadlines, goals, Gantt charts, whatever that they do. 
saying we need to have this project done by such and such a date. Thus, suddenly, uh, we've had a project that needs to be done sooner, and probably being the government, they're probably behind schedule, maybe don't have it done. And Government is always behind schedule. So they're probably behind now, and <laughs> they're like, what do we do? And they're running around with chickens with their fiery heads chopped off. Yes. So... Speaking of the government wanting things unencrypted. Yes. Uh, remember that one iPhone? I do remember the famous iPhone that didn't have any data on it. That, that was turns relevant. out had nothing relevant on it. And the guy actually told them that, no, it has nothing on it. And I wiped my phone that did have stuff on it. So you can't get that data. <laughs> so uh, after claiming that it was so imperative that this iPhone be broken into and examined uh, only to find out that there was nothing on it uh, and claiming at least initially that breaking into it was impossible and turning out that it was actually possible without Apple's help. The FBI isn't exactly in the best of positions uh, with this. You know, uh, so if this ever happens again, the judge can pretty much go, well, you know what happened last time? You broke into it without Apple's help. Mm. So why should we force Apple to help you this time? And and also, you didn't even get anything from it. Yes. And kind of the shame with this is that they spent a million dollars getting this hack. Uh, it's speculated to be speculated. Okay. at least a million. At least. Oh, wow. Okay, so it could be even worse. And like 1.5 million. 1.5. So, and they said it only worked on, what, iPhone 5 and below, I think? Something like that. So it's not even a broad hack, and, uh, yeah. I think the exact quote was, uh, Comey said, it is more than I will ever be paid by the government. <laughs> Which That's someone actually funny. went and calculated it, and, like, given his past and current and, you know, likely future salary... Uh, would come out to like 1.4 million or so. Okay, that's that's interesting. So I guess apparently to the reference, there's a case in New York where uh, they were also trying to get into someone's phone, and apparently they found the passcode, so they don't need to hack into it anymore. Yeah, that was awful convenient. Yes, <laughs> we found it. So, uh, you know what the cl the Clipper chip was? The Clipper chip? No. So, uh, it was back in the 90s, uh, like this chip that everyone was supposed to have that was essentially a back door that would store all your private keys and stuff. Okay. For law enforcement purposes. So, we've gone from the clipper chip to the clapper chip, well, in theory, for breaking into encryption. So, do you explain what the clapper chip It's this satirical thing that hasn't been made yet. But apparently it embodies all of the uh, goals and aspirations of Mr. James Clapper. Aha! I see the Clipper and Clapper. I yeah. See. <laughs> I see. As I may have mentioned, uh, I ride the T very frequently these days. So, uh, like, I've gone on the Google App Store and, uh, like, essentially... There are a handful of apps that will tell you, like, where the train is and, like, you know, when it will be there approximately and stuff. But, you know, there, uh, you know, I should say, I haven't exactly tried any, 
but you know you know that you know one ninety nine yeah. price tag or something is like eh, I'll just download PDFs and look at those. So um, that's what I've essentially done. I you know have looked and downloaded the PDFs of the huge you know schedules that you know, are you know literally very massive. Uh, on a very big dead tree. <laughs> very big dead tree. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, so I, you know, literally pull up the PDF, uh, folder on my phone and, you know, look at the PDF if I'm wondering, is like, well, it's been 15 minutes. Where's the train? Um, because, you know, about half the time I get to the station just after the last train leaves. Murphy's Law for you there. So, uh, other times, I have timed it just a few minutes before, and sometimes I have literally run to catch the train. <laughs> uh, so, uh, instead, uh, you know, I've poked around and I found out that uh, the Port Authority of Allegheny County does have, uh, like, essentially a whole bunch of CSVs that is essentially the database of all their uh, arrival times and stuff and all their routes and everything that you could possibly want to know. And uh, apparently there is a schema called the General Transit Feed Specification. And uh, the Port Authority has, you know, bundled, like, all the relevant information into a zip file that is essentially a database in CSV format of, you know, a lot of stuff. And I've been thinking about making a spa out of this that, you know, is essentially a spreadsheet that will, you know, auto-update and say, is like, okay, well, the next arrival time here is such and such time. And, uh, you know, I essentially thought about, you know, actually literally putting it into a spreadsheet. But, you know, then I'm like, well, you know, a spreadsheet, you know, is okay, but, you know, knowing that the web is like the universal runtime that, you know, it's like, okay, well, I might be able to use that with lots of JavaScript and stuff and, uh, you know, run it like that. And then like about like every minute or so have an update and like, you know, have like times in green being like in 15 minutes, the train will come. Whereas like one in red means like it's, it should be there right now. So, uh, yeah. And I can just, like, pull that up on my phone. I wonder if it would be more efficient than, like, the Google Docs on my phone. I'm not sure. Sounds like a fun project to do, though, and uh, to make an app, and you think you'd publish it on the, the Play Store try to? If you got something working that worked? Well, probably. You know, put it up uh, somewhere. You know, because... Uh, it would, you know, essentially be like a static HTML page that yeah. would be updated every few months. So, yeah. Uh, we haven't got any uh, podcast feedback this week. Uh, so, if you would, uh, if you would like to uh, give us any feedback, go ahead and do so on the Nexus.tv. And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day. So, back up all your stuff, uh, like back up all your train schedules. So, uh, uh, anyways. Uh, any exciting things? Oh, coming? I guess uh, probably going home and finding out what the 3D printer has made. Then uh, coursework stuff. Coursework? Yes, coursework. Uh, turkey season opened last Saturday. It went out. 
heard a turkey, didn't see one though, so I couldn't shoot it. Uh, maybe... Oh, I know, here's one. Uh, currently, I found a blacksmith who gives blacksmithing lessons, and I'm going to go to one of his classes here sometime in May, here in a couple weeks. So that would be fun. I always kind of like blacksmithing some. He's supposed to teach me how to weld. Oh. Uh, like, as in, like, not welding welding that you traditionally do today, but, like, real welding. And then he's going to teach me how to tend a fire. And I have a trigger I need for my one mus muzzle loader, so he's said he'd help me make the trigger, perhaps, too. So I'm looking forward to that. Sounds uh, pretty cool there. So, yep. And I guess... If it starts to rain, I will come in and maybe clean up this place a little bit. Okay. Like, I've moved in, and stuff is everywhere. And I still have not cleaned up the dining room yet. It's okay, I lived in my apartment for, like, what, two years, and I don't think it ever got cleaned. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's kind of bad. So, uh, alright, well, aside from that, uh, have a good one. You too. You too.